brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Hi, I'm Jason Bryan from the Shortime Wrestling Podcast and founder of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. Shows on the network are individually owned and operated, and those opinions presented and expressed may not reflect others, the sponsors, patrons, or the parent network. Find more shows about the greatest sport in the world at the Matt Talk Podcast Network at matttalkonline.com. Stop worrying about stupid procedures and do pull ups. This morning in the ball, why are we having this podcast? And why is it called the Five Point Move? I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys from the United States are treated because they are good athletes, they are good human beings that, that want to win. we got to help them get that. What I want people to know me from, all of our results for everything comes from Five Point Move. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Five Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder and senior editor of FivePointMove.com, and no haul this episode, but we do have two guests. First, Austin Morrow, 77 kilograms, northern Michigan guy, caught fire entering and coming out of the last chance qualifier, performed well at his first Olympic trials, very popular athlete, a lot of people love to watch Austin. We're going to talk to him in just a second about a run of topics, including his move up to 77, because I think everybody probably remembers him from 67, rather. And then, after Morrow, is the one and only Greco-Roman manager of operations, Gary Mayab, who had been requested by many people for a while, even though Mr. Mayab, coach... Mayab has certainly been on the platform, literally speaking, plenty of times, but still everybody wanted a Mayab podcast, now they're getting one, and there's a lot to get to with Coach Mayab. There is his impending move back to the high school ranks where he's going to take over at Oak Park and I guess northern Kansas City, I think that's the area, and he's also at the Olympic slash Pan Am camp in Georgia, and whatever there's a whole cascade of age group developmental topics senior topics and then a few of mayab's favorite moments since he's since he's had the operations job which began in 2017 so there's a lot to get to but first we have austin morrow okay austin before we dial it back to late march and then the first weekend of april which was of course the olympic trials bring the audience back up to speed in terms of recency why did you not compete at the u.s national tournament 
my shoulder dislocated again uh, about four or five days out. So, well, I just thought it best to recover and just let myself heal up, um, rehab it up, and just do what I have done <laughs> in the past many times. Okay, so the audience at large, the hardcore five-point audience anyways, probably pretty familiar with the fact that this is something you've dealt with before. How was it this time? How mad, I, I was going to use another word, but how <laughs> mad were you that it happened? And also, what is the, I don't want to say bright side, because I, I don't, maybe there is one, but how has your attitude towards it changed? I remember in 2017 when it happened again, like, you know, you were a step below devastated. So what has your state of mind this time? Uh, quite a bit better. I mean, I guess you talk about the bright side. Um, I'll start with that because the one I can think of is, you know, dislocated so many times that the healing time seems, seems to be a little bit quicker. So that's, uh, I'd say that's the bright side. Like it feels pretty much back to normal. Uh, I was able to pummel today and it felt fine. I'm able to carry ladders at work and kind of do whatever. So, I mean, that's the bright side. Um, and yeah, you know, I wasn't super upset. I mean, I was bummed because I really just love to compete. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm hungry to get as much like competition matches as I can under my belt. Um, but you know, overall mentality wise, it was, it was like, okay, well, it happened. Nothing I can do. Let's just get past it. And, you know, just keep on doing what I do. The key reason, aside from, you know, the fact I care about you, the key reason why I was irked was more because, you know, I think this is kind of obvious, is that you were, I mean, still are, still are, Austin Morrill, but you had such momentum coming into this Nationals. So I was like, you know, before I had learned that you got injured, I was like, well, like, I don't, I can't, I don't know who's hotter <laughs> going into this right now. So <laughs> that was why I was, I was uh, bummed out. I would say to catch a phrase there, is that kind of what you were thinking as well? It was like, yeah, oh, I'm clicking, and now I'm actually really clicking because the shoulder dislocated. Yeah, literally, uh, really loud clicking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'd say that kind of sums it up really well. I was feeling, I was having a lot of fun with the sport again. Um, I had been cutting quite a bit of weight in the years prior and I was like kind of dreading. It was like, it wasn't even like go to practice to wrestle. It was like go to practice so I can lose a bunch of weight and keep the weight off. Um, and then, you know, last chance comes around. I was like, I, I talked to Andy a couple of weeks prior, a couple of months prior. And we kind of just decided, why don't we just wrestle with my body weight? Uh, and I had a lot of fun with the sport again. It was like I didn't like have any pressure on myself. I figured I just go out there and either you win or you lose. And of course, I want to win. So it was really nice, just like having no stress behind like results based. I was just like go out there and wrestle. Um, and it was quicking. And I was like gonna look forward to that at nationals too. Just go out there and wrestle to wrestle. You know, we do it every day in the practice room, not because you're like scared to score points. You just try to put points up. Uh, and with that mentality, it like makes it really fun again. Well, you talk about really fun again, and you talk about going up in weight, kind of going up in weight. I, I mean, just like you said, wrestling your natural weight, essentially. And I also want to make sure that you have a smile planted firmly on your face. So let's go ahead and talk about Last Chance for just a second. 
and that is that last chance. First off, your opposition in that tournament was exceedingly tough. The guy who wound up eventually winning the Olympic trials was whom you defeated in the final. We can start with that. But also is that the one thing that I paid attention to very closely, and I think I, I'm sure I wasn't alone, I, at any time a, a, an athlete changes their weight class, whether they go up or down, you're always going to try to key in to see if you notice anything physically different. Like not only their how their body looks, but like how are they matching up against this guy in this weight category? You know, you get what I'm saying here. Right. And the you know, I, I guess it shouldn't have been so hard to imagine. You know, like I mean, on a map, I've aside from one tournament. You, I've only seen you at 66 and 67 over the what course of the last seven, eight years or whatever it's been now. And so yeah. I'm looking to see, like, okay, well, like, is Austin going to look undersized for 77? It was like, no, not really at all. I, I, it looked like it was a really natural fit. Did it feel – like, did you feel like you were giving up anything in terms of I, – I, I don't want to use a dorky word, but power, you know, horsepower – like, did you feel like, oh, wow, 77 feels a little different? Or are you just, you know, I, I would assume you've wrestled with, you know, whoever, I'm sure you've wrestled with Jesse plenty of times in the room, Kendrick, whomever else. Like, was it any different or not really? Uh, Not really. A uh, little bit heavier um, in terms of, like, or difference in, like, strength and, like, grabbing. I, I noticed the difference, like, when that first contact is made, it's like, I can feel like, okay, I can't move this person around quite as easily. Um, but after you just like stick to moving your feet and it, it kind of just felt normal. Uh, and you're, you're absolutely right. Like I wrestled, I wrestled guys that are 77 in the room all the time for practice. Uh, so I just kind of treated it like a practice. That's kind of what I went out there and did. Uh, and it made it, I think a lot less stressful on me because I was a little nervous beforehand. Like, okay, I, I think I'm going to get, I might get manhandled in terms of movement and strength. So I'm just going to go out there and, do what I can and I I was very pleased with what I can do so yeah absolutely you were right there in every exchange every pseudo I mean pseudo pummel situation 77 is not a a very hardcore pummel heavyweight the way like let's say 82 or 87 might be but still I mean we have so many good athletes at 77 who are just ready to dogfight they're not really interested in you know, hugging it out for six minutes, and it was just—I loved—I loved your tournament. I really did. Uh, there were—I loved Britton Holmes's tournament, really, to be honest with you. Uh, I loved seeing certain guys perform well in that tournament, if only because I know what it meant to them, and it was a real back to the wall situation. Were you at all? You said before that you were just a little, you know, a little nervous, a little anxious, whatever. Were you more nervous about making sure you got into the trials or were you more nervous about like a take for take for example your lift? Like were you nervous about like okay, when I go to lift guys, is this going to be like, you know, picking up a giant bag of sand? <laughs> <laughs> I was more afraid I was going to crap my pants. 
no, I would say a little bit of both. I mean, I had talked to, I actually really think I was more nervous, uh, that I just wanted to do the best I could. Like I wanted to perform up to the level that I knew I could. Um, and it wasn't so much tied to getting into the trials or of course that was my goal. I didn't, of course I want to do that and I want to be able to lift guys, but I was more nervous about just like performing as well as I knew I could. Uh, and that was actually the first tournament my girlfriend had come to watch. So that was really cool. We got to hang out the whole week. Um, and then after I, I won last chance, she went home and told her boss, you know, she worked two days and she flew back for the Olympic trials and got to meet my dad and my brother and one of my great friends from high school. They came, they lived in Fort Worth, so they all came to watch. So that was really, really, really nice. Um, so I guess most of the nerves were just like, you know, I knew if I can compete as well as I, you know, I think I can and I, I'm able to, that I, I would, I could win it. So that's what I was most nervous about. Do you perform better if you have support in the gymnasium, the arena, whatever? Do you think you perform better? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I really like that just like sense of community. Um, and it doesn't have to like, doesn't necessarily have to be a specific person, but just like, I love that like community. Like after every match, it was great going up, um, you know, giving my girlfriend a kiss, just sitting there and talking the match over with her. And then, like, getting ready for the next one. Like, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was very laid back, and I get to do what I love with the people I love. So I was I was very, very thankful. Ah, you're just such a good guy. I, I got to be honest. I, <laughs> I like, <laughs> I'm so 180'd. You know, like, high school. College to a lesser extent. College, you, you don't. I you know college spectators especially college I wrestled at they were non-issue but high school it's like you wrestle in high school and it's like you know everybody's there you know and I remember there were for certain dual meets or whatever there would be like a couple of people to come to see me who might not have usually come to see me but this is like a big dual meet or whatever and it, like that would take the steam out of me instead like I'd be like ah <laughs> Yeah, I just don't even really want to even do this now. It's just like it's it's like you've built it up too much. <laughs> you've built it up like, too much. I, I got other plans. I got to go take care of some stuff real quick. I'm coming to the you guys. <laughs> uh, were you wowed, wowed by the stage at all at the Olympic trials, the perceived magnitude of that event? Uh, a little bit. Uh, Andy, will, Andy could probably tell you it was my first match, and I, they called like Matt three, and I was like walking out there, and Andy's like walking right behind me, and I don't know what I'm thinking, but I go to Matt one, and I start walking up the stands, thinking I'm gonna walk across the platforms, and he just kind of puts his hand out like he's a little like a, a herding dog, and he kind of like, nope, don't worry, I got you. We gotta go down two more mats. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even thinking. I, I'm just like, like so excited and like just like all these butterflies and it was it was a really cool experience um after the first match it was more like okay there we go it's, it's just normal again but it was the first match was pretty it was a lot of nerves it was cool well see right there you said it was cool like so you were charged up by the environment yeah very much so it, it felt it felt like when i was like a kid watching guys wrestle this tournament like wow this is so cool and it was really neat to like kind of like live out like something I watched as a little kid and 
it made me like more pumped up for wanting to do like the same thing in the future, but like, you know, progress at a higher level and do it at a different, it was like, it was really motivating. I thought you wrestled well at the Olympic trials. I know that you didn't win the Olympic trials, so I don't know how you come about grading yourself on it, but I thought you wrestled well. It was a, your second tournament ever at what is arguably anyway, the deepest weight category in our country. And I wasn't alone. There were other people talking about you after a tournament. In fact, not necessarily even pertains to the Olympic trials itself. I will tell you, though, that a coach, I won't mention his name, but a coach told me that they thought that you had, I think the word was streamlined, but might have been something else. But basically the most streamlined lift of everybody uh and, and, and I guess in your weight class, but just that was the report. Well, Morrow at 77, I mean, he has the best lift and he has this. And I was like, all right. I'm like, okay. really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a true story. Uh, that is a very true story. And I was like, obviously, my brain instantly goes back to the weight. And it's like, you know, looking back. I don't want to say, and I would never even pretend to say this, uh, or think this rather, because I could pretend to say a lot of things, I suppose. But you know, at 67, you were kind of, you were kind of certainly still right there too. I mean, for sure you were. And I don't know. I guess I don't want to think that the same day weigh-ins really really totally hurt you because like i said you were still definitively in the argument i would say i mean you were going back and you're chipping with jamel johnson uh that was he was like your in 2019 i look at him as your chief rival i would say uh but part of me does wonder (laughs) now not because of anything at 67 but just because of how uh, zealous, I guess is the word. You've looked at 77 thus far in two tournaments. Did the 67 same day weigh in, like, play a role in your life, like a bad, bad role in your life? Uh, I wouldn't say a bad, bad role. I think I just, I think in, in my head, um, I talked to Joe a little bit about this um, when he was up here with Pat Smith, wrestling a little bit, and there was like this idea in my head of like, okay, if you go up a weight class, like, they're going to be way, way bigger, way stronger. And in my head, I was like, no, I have to cut because it's just, like, what we do. Um, and I would, like, just be too stubborn to admit, like, just go up. Like, this isn't the way you should be at. Um, and it would be tough. I would spend a couple months prior, like, dieting and going on extra runs. And at all, most of the tournaments, I always just kind of felt a little bit sluggish. Like, I would be performing really well in the practice room, weighing, you know, my body weight. And I would start cutting and slowly I would like start getting scored on more. My, like my lungs just didn't feel quite as good. Uh, I didn't feel quite as explosive. My hips were like always tight. So like not making excuses by any means, the guys that beat me there, like they beat me like soundly. It's like, you know, they earned the win. Um, but I just, uh, I just felt a lot better. Like I didn't feel winded as much. I didn't feel as like fatigued or slow or sluggish, just kind of resting my body weight. Um, and it's exciting too, because I still have a little bit of room to grow. I walk around like 73 to 74, anywhere in that range. 
So it's it's exciting to be able to just wrestle my body weight and hopefully get a little bit bigger and stronger um, and not worry so much about cutting. Okay, well, two things right there. Number one is it it must be very, very nice to compete in a weight class where the night before weigh-ins, you're not even at all thinking about it. If anything, you can go ahead and order yourself a porterhouse. Uh, number two is there was a report, and I tell you what, I don't like to mention statistics without having the actual study from which the data was gleaned, if I am to mention something like that. But there was a report a couple of years ago, and not in like some internet article, like a legitimate you know, scientific paper that I believe surmised – between 20 and 30% of stamina and strength and other physiological components are compromised via weight loss, via weight cutting, cutting, I should say. I totally believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, firsthand, it was, it was pretty, pretty awesome. It's, I don't know why it took me so long to figure it out, but I'm uh, happy I did. Well, listen, I mean, to be fair about it, 66 day before Wayne's a different world. That is true. It's like Max Nowry put it really well because everybody knew that Max was undersized at 59 kilograms. And then when the weight classes changed and 60 came back because just like 55, 60 used to be a weight, right? And yeah. The first thing Max said was, I would prefer 60 same day over 59 day before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just, look, wrestling's never going to get this right. Like, I don't think, at least not anymore. Maybe there was a chance. Maybe there was some, some slim, really narrow pinky nail chance that we could have gotten weight categories correct the last time we're i think as a sport we're on the right track again a little bit if only because i think 63 is an amazing weight class i mean it used to first off it used to be a weight class right and i like 82 as well which at one point was a weight class but 77, I, I, I still like 74, 75 better than 77. I think 77 is just a little too high. You know what I mean? And that might just be because I'm older, you know, and I see things through the lens of 74, 74, 74, 75. You know what I mean? But right. it just seems like 77 is just a little high. Like, I think 74, 75 is like right there, like, bam, put it right there, and I think you won't be disappointed. But then again, I don't think anybody's too disappointed with the global scene at 77 either. So, you know, yeah, it's pretty good. I imagine, though, you like my point of view, and that 74, 75 would be right there, right? Oh, I would love that. (laughs) I really wouldn't change any diet at all still. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I... I, I guess that they went with that just so they could make 87. They're just like, you know, we'll call this one 77 that way. I, I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, do you, I, I like to believe that they 
take a myriad take myriad factors into account when they determine weight categories when they decide to change them for no reason like you know demographics bracket size and it goes Turns on. Turns out they're just dropping a pinko ball down the it's, same like nope, uh, 77, that's the one. Yeah, I, I was just uh, – I don't pretend that I don't have a bias. I do have a little bit of a bias towards the shrimps, right? I have to. I am one. So, like, I was really happy they brought 55 back. I, oh, yeah. But 77, 82, 87, I, mm, I think we could have did better. I think you, I don't even know if you needed to change them. Let's keep, I, I, 71, 75, and 80 were perfect, I thought. Like, I, I mean, I did. Uh, yeah, I thought they were off. Yeah. I, well, what do I know? Anyway. Uh, Austin, we're going to talk about a couple more wrestling related concerns, but, uh, there was something that I wanted you to kind of, uh, I don't know, flesh out just a little bit, if you could. I think I had yeah. asked you this once before, but for, for, I don't know, for nostalgia's sake, I guess I haven't heard this story in a while, and I figured now would be a good time for you to break it out, is can you speak to – now, when I say this, by the way, we're talking with Austin Morrow, who is – we're going to get to the fact that he's a top contender in not one way class, but two in a second – but a Greco-Roman wrestler, which is, you know, the most violent of the wrestling styles by far and away, and uh, a, a warrior, uh, okay, a, a hardened competitor, but also a person who got bullied by British kids. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you're going to get bullied um, by anybody, maybe they shouldn't be British, I would think. Like, <laughs> I don't know, the Brit- they were running. The, the British are coming. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so oh, walk oh. us all through this, okay? Like, I want, like, even the origin of, like, okay, like, how, you know, educate people here why you were across the ocean and also why the Limeys were coming after you. Okay, so my dad was military, uh, and he got stationed in RAF Lake and Heath. So that's where I like, went to high school over there. And uh, when we first moved there for like about three, four years, I lived in a British village about 45 minutes away from um, the middle school that I was going to at the time. So I actually rode a short bus to and from uh, this said school. Um, and my friend and I were really into skateboarding, so we thought we were like the cool punks of the town. We'd go around and skate on the you know the school grounds and the handrails and the stairs and the british kids we were that weren't so keen on us and we weren't so keen on them uh were bikers so already at that point we thought they were like mortal enemies just based on oh they're not skateboarders i, I don't know what was going through our heads um you mean like bmxers yeah they go around town and do little bmx things and ride wheelies and which honestly today i think would be really cool like i'd be like if i saw that person i'd probably be like dude that's that's super sick. But at that time, I was like, you don't got a skateboard? You must be a loser. <laughs> um, skater die. <and> we, <laughs> yeah. Skater die, bro. Zero. <laughs> and so my friend CJ and I would always, like, pull pranks. And, like, I, I know one time I had gotten off the bus um, and I was going to walk home from school. And I saw these kids. And we would always kind of get in never, like, physical altercations around town. But we'd be like, oh, you yank. 
Like, don't call us Yanks. Like, you're a Yank. <laughs> we got off, I got off my small bus and I have my skateboard in my hand because I'm on a skateboard home now. Uh, and I see these kids like holding like these like debris, like broken bricks. And they're standing across the street like, I yank. And they're like throwing like bricks across the street at me. And I was like, oh shit, we gotta go. But I like ride my little skateboard home as fast as my long hair, beer belly body would at the time. Uh, <laughs> escape with no damage. Uh, it, it was just, yeah, I thought it was so cool too. My friend Peach and I were like, dude, you believe that, bro? We just like, we're totally cooler than them. So, well, <laughs> I didn't, I did not realize that, like, that's actually real. Like, they, they use the term yank. Yeah, yank, or a lot, like, they said chav a lot, too, you chav. Uh, I'm not quite sure what chav is, but I know they used it. Um, wanker. Uh, and I had a couple British friends, actually, like, after, like, middle school was done, and I put up my skateboard and retired the wheels and trucks um i actually made a lot of like british friends playing soccer or football it's weird to me that outside of a tournament i don't know if you've heard of it outside of a tournament called the commonwealth games oh uh, yeah i've heard of that right okay well outside of that tournament which is you know the uh, <laughs> I guess United Kingdom type of countries like England, you know, the UK, uh, in general, but like there's no wrestling, really no Greco, no freestyle so much. And it's like the one pocket of Europe where there isn't any, like, it's just so strange to me. Like, I, I don't even get it. Yeah, my wrestling club, I wrestled freestyle predominantly there, um, and a little bit of Greco on, like, Tuesdays. Um, but my club was mostly um, guys from Chechnya that had immigrated over, and my coach was from Iran, and his dad wrestled for um, Iran in, like, the 40s and 50s. Um, but they immigrated over there, and they were doctors, and they ran a club. Um, but there was no British citizens, I should say, or, like, British like origin people that wrestled at my club. English was a second language for just about everyone. <laughs> when you think about the global reach of wrestling, the fact that like Ireland, England, you know, even Australia, like they, like, it's like y'all, y'all taking a pass basically uh, like on the international level. Like it's just so strange to me. Like, it's like, okay, but it's, like you border this country and that country and they both have like, decent programs it's just weird it, it's very weird um they love their soccer say that yeah that's probably the problem that and whatever else cricket oh cricket <laughs> polo croquet Oof. croquet <laughs> um, the writing stuff <laughs> yeah who knows what they do it's just it's crumpet and, and aluminium and garage and you know bonnets and hoods <laughs> yeah just All really proper groups. stuff i guess I, I i don't know i mean i don't want to cast aspersions I, I mean my father is half english in fact my father i guess i do too but my father has family in uh in england and he's visited oh. them i've never been there i remember i do remember this though I think of it as like a really nice 
like really super nice and everything like that. And I, I understand that London is London and whatever, but like, still, like when I picture England in my mind, I think of like some like rural area with like rolling hills and like green pasture all over the place and you know country clubs yeah. or something like that. And my dad, he uh, he was telling me that the town that his family is from, because my fa- my grandfather. He emigrated to the United States when he was young, and I guess my father like stayed hooked in with like his relatives, his cousins, and whatever. I did meet one of the cousins or a couple of them one time. They visited here, but that's not the point, I guess. But I had always pictured England as really nice. My father told me that the town his family's from is really rough. Outside of Birmingham, to them at least, it's like a like a not awesome area. And I was like, huh. I was like, what? What are there hooligans patrolling the streets? <laughs> like, <laughs> don't the cops like not even carry nine millimeters? Don't they just have batons? You know, maybe they shout or something like that. Like, I right, knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> you go home, you wily rascal. <laughs> uh, yikes! It just, I don't know, man. Anyway, uh, Austin. I'm getting back to on the Mac concerns, I suppose, is your weight class. So you wrestled 77 kilograms and you walk around at, let's say, 73, 74. I I think those are the weights you said you walk around at. Yep, anywhere from 73 to 75 on heavy days. So are we looking at 72 kilograms for the World Team Trials? Undecided yet. Uh, I was going to do 72 at Nationals just because I would have loved to try and make the the Pan Am team. But, you know, I just, I'm going to just kind of see where my body feels. If, you know, if any kind of shoulder pains or any kind of tweaks on the shoulder, I'm still kind of figuring out how to train and work and, like, still recover my shoulder well at the same time. Um, so if it feels better up at 77, I, I might just stay there uh, and focus on getting stronger and really, like, lift weights and get just bigger but it's, i guess it's kind of going to be a game time decision or like i suppose relatively close not to sound ignorant is strength training a, a good idea to i guess reinforce your shoulder i think it, i mean like, i don't think it'll hurt my trainer's got a bunch of uh, our trainer at northern her name's cora um she's wonderful she's got a lot of great like little exercises and rehab things i do um, and I know Andy's wife does our lifting program for us, and she has this thing like, say, prehab, like, you know, rehab before you actually have to do rehab. So I think just adding that onto, like, lifting, I think it's – I think overall it'll be good. Well, I'm thinking of it in the way that J.D. Souza from the Army at 97 kilograms, you know who he is, right? The guy who's built, like, you know, somebody created him in a lab and that he's oh. going to get unleashed on the world and start knocking down buildings. Ooh. He is the most muscular dude I've ever seen in our program. Like, it's, I, I, I'm trying to think of somebody who's like even vaguely competitive, even from the past. There's been some diesel dudes, but like that cat is different. And in the tank, Souza. What was it? it? Was shortly after Raleigh tore his knee up, was out for a really long time. Started coming back, started coming back, and then before last chance qualifier, retore everything up like completely again. But the thing is, is that he is still able to compete in last chance, and obviously he made the finals of the U.S. Open or U.S. Nationals, whatever you want to call it. 
he made the finals. And it's like, well, how is that really plausible considering that, number one, Greco-Roman wrestling, you, it's a leg sport. You know, people always yeah. use it, uh, the term upper body, and it's like, this is a leg sport. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, your upper body is 30% responsible for anything that happens in a Greco match, practically. It's like, arms like the Velcro. The legs do all the work. <laughs> yeah. Souza is a 97 guy, so that's a lot of pushing, a lot of pulling. Uh, for him, a lot of pulling, because performing quite well against Nick, uh, Boykin just throw him like three times. But anyway, point is, is that how was he able? How was he able to still be okay in Greco of of all things when his knee literally has nothing left in it? Because all of his like even his smaller muscles, bottom of his quad and all around are so developed that it's keeping everything stable enough to like be okay for now. You know what I mean? And so that's why I think of your shoulder capsule. Like I figure, okay, well, if you go and like create this another layer of reinforcement, like at least it helps, I guess. I'd like to, I'd like to hope so. That's, that's kind of the plan. Just get muscles on top of my muscles. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I ever get big, but I mean, it'd be sweet if I could. Dude, look at, I'm into weightlifting because it doesn't take any athletic acuity at all. It's mostly a male thing, but I guess it's both genders. I don't know why anybody would ever brag that they're muscular because it doesn't take any special skill. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it doesn't take – like you're not talented. I, get, I mean are you driven? Okay. Are you disciplined? Sure. But are you talented? Like is this some – like are, you have like some rare gift? No. Maybe genetics because your physique is shaped a certain way. But ultimately, right. you build muscle. That doesn't take anything other than the will to do so, I, I think, anyhow, at least by and large. That said... Yeah, or do you can pick that thing up. That's freaking awesome. <laughs> well, right. For a dude who's a little, like, you know, I'm not 25 anymore, and for a sh- shrimp of all shrimps, like, I'm muscular. Like, I'm caught in everything. And then I look at Sousa... And I'm like, dude, what have I been doing wrong? What have I been doing wrong for 25, 28 years or however long it's been since I've been like actually knowing how to weightlift? When he when he came up to Northern with the Navy team years ago, I remember he would always carry around a box of those frosted mini wheats. And I was like, how oh, you get so freaking big? He's like, yeah, dude. <laughs> so I think that's the secret. I'm going to start buying mini wheats and carrying them around with me and eating them. Well, you know what I heard from Sheridan? Lucas Sheridan what? is that Sousa primarily just does body weight stuff, just a, a ton of it. That's what I heard. Should ask That's him. Incredible. Yeah, I should ask him and just tell him like, look at whatever you're doing, just tell me. Like, I'll do it. Like, absolutely. <laughs> like, I'll do. It. There's room for improvement. I'll start running around the neighborhood like with carrying a wheelbarrow behind me or something. I I don't know. Well, I, who knows what this guy does. Like Start digging holes in the backyard. Yeah, d- digging holes, filling them up, digging them out again. I, wh- whatever, whatever it takes, man. <laughs> he is jacked, and he's an awesome wrestler, and he doesn't get enough credit either because he had been close a couple of times in the beginning of the squad. I think that uh, you know, 2019 kind of stung him. Last chance, he draws Jay Clark first round and. Jay Clark, Jay Clarked him, and it's just like, well, what can you do about that? That's just tough to stop. And then he makes the yeah. final of the U.S. Open, and you know, Nick Boykin has turned into like a legit, legit 
senior. He was three through Boykin. Boy, I think he threw him four, two, and two. I think, or I don't even remember what the sequences were at this point. But nevertheless, it was just like dynamic. And then right. that last try didn't work out for him. Just did not work out for him. Just got got the old land on top. That's fun wrestling. I, I love that aspect of wrestling. It's like every day could be a new day. It's, it's so cool. Yes, I agree. Austin, just to kind of wrap up, if these two tournaments outside of the weight category change and everything else, if the two these two tournaments taught you anything or meant something different that perhaps other tournaments in the past did not, what did they mean? Hmm. Ultimately, to me, remember to have fun and enjoy. I mean, it's going to sound ridiculously cliche. I mean, I guess I'm a relatively cheesy person anyways, but like enjoy the, the whole process and the journey. Like enjoy not just the wrestling with it, but I, I I find myself having the most fun and competing the best when I'm, you know, enjoying it with the people I love. Um, the night after, first night of the Olympic trials, I went out to dinner with you know, my really close friends, my girlfriend, my dad, my brother. Um, and we just ate a bunch of sushi. We just told stories. We laughed. We just kind of hung out. Uh, and then, of course, I went back to bed. But, I mean, that's those are the some of the best weeks I've competed in a long time. And it's because I was really just enjoying myself. It was not stressful. It was go out there, do what I love, have a blast, and then continue to do what I love, which is meet and talk and hang out with people I love. So that's uh that's, I think, what my biggest takeaway was. Send a message everyone understands with BarbarianApparel.com. Create a team store and get started on a complete line of battle-ready gear that turns heads in the stands and looks even better as you turn opponents. Fully customizable options are available in all singlets, two-piece uniforms, shirts, warm-ups, and much more. Folk style, freestyle, or the best style, Barbarian Apparel specializes in supplying wrestlers around the world with the look and feel they need to conquer the competition. Team orders and discounts are always available, so don't procrastinate. Five Point Move fans, you can grab extra savings right now by using coupon code BA10. Barbarian Apparel, style everyone notices, quality everyone respects. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, so that was Austin Morrow, and joining me now is United States Manager of Operations for Greco-Roman. Great coach, great guy, Gary Mayab. All right, Gary, so how did this return to scholastic high school coaching come about recently? Everybody's heard about it. It was on social media channels, the Oak Park schools. Uh, well, I guess that's NK C schools. That's Northern yeah. Kansas City. I'm guess. I'm guessing. Yep, North Kansas City schools. Yep. Yep. Uh, they shared it. And everybody kind of found out the deal about it. So, if you don't mind, uh, please absolutely walk me through this. Well, it's just one of those things. It's 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 uh, it's like most uh, uh, major decisions in our lives that we uh, there's there's multiple frameworks to it. Uh, a lot of different moving parts, but uh, at the end of the day, there's an opportunity to um, to uh, get back home, if you would, and uh, get back to the the, the way that, that we've done it before. And at the same point in time, uh, the move was also to help Greco. Um, you know that we we want to one of the things that Matt and myself and others want to do is we want to expand. Um, you know, areas of training and become more agile and, um, and get some facilities that are almost like permanent homes. And, um, you know, if, if we have something right there in the middle of the United States, you know, if you go from Rise Athletics down with Coach Waldrop and then up the road, you've got, you've got Sam Hayeswinkle at OU and then you go up the road a little further, you got Marty Houck there in Rolla and then you go up the road and maybe, maybe Kansas City can be one of those areas. And then you go up a little further and you run into Zach Dominguez there in Omaha. Go up a little further and you got, you're, you're in South Dakota and, and, uh, with Legends of Gold. And then you keep going north and, and now there's, there's several good places there. And you, you end up with Storm and, and, and that, that's a pretty good linking system just straight down the middle. But yet we can do this in other areas of the United States. And, and so, you know, it, it's, it's multifaceted. There's a lot of reasons and, and a, a lot of things that we want to try to accomplish. And, and uh, but just know that that USA Wrestling is a part of the plan uh, overall. At some, at, you know, it, it, in myself in some capacity, either back to a volunteer or whatever that might look like. So yes. Do you miss being at that level? Of course. I mean, I, I you know, it's it's one of the things that. You know, you, 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 uh, just recently, I was at a, at a, you know, one of our, our national bubble camps and, and, uh, I met with an athlete. We went over some things, uh, some goal setting stuff and, and just active work on what they were doing and what they were working on in camp, you know, and at the end of it, I, I made a statement that, uh, I, I said, man, we've had a really good year, really. I mean, together we, 
we've been around, you know, been with each other 13 days, you know, this year or this last year. I walked back to my room and I sat down and I thought, man, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I, I mean, I remember when the state of Missouri went from 35 days down to 30 days that you could have contact with your athletes during the summer. And, and I, you would have thought there was a death in the family. I mean, it's just, I thought, what am I going to do with five days that's gone? And yet now I just said this to an athlete that, that we've had a pretty good stretch here over the last year because we, we've been with each other 13, 13 days. And sometimes the goals that I've had with, with getting with cadet athletes is around that time frame, right? And, and again, then you start looking at it going, what are we really accomplishing in that, in that short of time period? And, and I know it's a different job totally. And I, I, I understand the different, different levels of, of coaching. But at the same point in time, you know, if, if to make and bring about real change, we all know 13 days is going to do it. So yeah, I miss it. Wrestling, high school wrestling to me. And I don't mean this in, with any kind of tinge of hyperbole. High school wrestling to me is the toughest sport in the world. I just don't think there's anything like it. There's just too many factors involved. You're at a crossroads kind of age in your life. Your interests are changing. Your body's changing. You're, for some reason or another, trying to seek out your identity. You're going to wrestling practice for whatever, two hours, three hours after school ends. You're having dual meets in front of your peers. The schedule, the weight management, the class obviously the academics the classes and everything else and it's like you look at all the stuff high school wrestlers contend with at the time you just when you're a high school wrestler yourself you're just living it this is what i do i love wrestling and you know whatever but you look back and it's like quite a lot but on top of everything else between the ages of let's say 14 and 18 you're also still really moldable you're still really impressionable in a lot of ways and that's where i think the grandest impacts are made which is why if i might say like when i heard that you were going to be coaching again at that at high school level i was like well this i hate to say it like i mean don't get me wrong i mean i, I last thing i want to do is like have less of you around our program but it does make sense like i think that this is just something you have a natural kind of touch for. Well, I appreciate those words. I, you know, it, it, it is one of those things that you're, you're so right on the money that, that that time in our lives, you are at a crossroads. And, you know, I spoke uh, just last week in Indiana to uh, 65 high school coaches at their uh, spring clinic. And um, we talked quite a bit of Greco, but at the end of the day, what we really talked about was was what you brought up, the impact that coaches make while we're at this, at these, again, for not a better word, crossroads time frame. And uh, I still think that that's one of those things that that is so critical in our lives. I mean, we've all been through it, and we know that that was a jumping off point to wherever we ended up. And, and and I think that that in of itself is, again, you, you touched on it, but, you know, when you're 14 years old, the difference between being 14 and 18 is light years. I mean, prepubescent, you know, 
HPV type, uh, they're going to go through a growth spurt. They're going to change into a, a, a man. Um, now, now women, they come into high school many times, um, already going through that, but, but boys to men, that definitely happens during that time frame. And, and then you have, now you have so much going on at the youth level and, to have the athlete that walks in as a first time freshman and says, Hey, I'd like to try this thing out. And then you're going to put them next to a person that's been wrestling already for, you know, who knows, 10 years. And so it is that, uh, there's so many components to it that it, it does make it a, a very challenging environment. And as I told them, I do think that like you, I think that high school coaching is probably some of the toughest coaching that's out there just based on you have a room, you only have the bodies that come to you, don't really get to, in most cases, get to recruit. Therefore, whoever's standing in front of you, that's who you're going to mold. And so it's, it's uh, and, and again, it's, uh, there's so many positives to it. So, yeah. What about when you were in high school? If you can. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, go ahead. I'm really actually very interested in this. <laughs> go ahead. I was so fortunate. I, I had great coaches my entire life. I mean, uh, almost every coach I've ever had is in the Hall of Fame, uh, in one or two or three Hall of Fames. And, and very fortunate to, to have those leaders and, uh, and, and life changers. They, uh, you know, my father passed, uh, on my first birthday and, and, uh, and, and these men, I mean, literally every Father's Day, I call my high school coach and I call my, my college coach. And I don't miss. I, I don't think I've ever missed because they, uh, they, they were, they set your life on a different trajectory. And, uh, you know, and the other thing is my high school coach. I mean, I was a 62 pound freshman in high school. He had no use for a 62 pound. Uh, I was two thirds the size that I was supposed to be. Uh, 98 was the smallest weight class at the time and, and 62 pounds isn't going to do anybody any good. And yet, all he did was he poured time, energy, and effort into it. And, and out of that, I mean, I, I was 72 as a sophomore and, and then like 85 or something like that as a junior. So, I mean, I, it wasn't until my senior year that I actually had to lose weight to, to make the weight class. So, you know, it's stuff like that, that, that there's no reason for them to have dumped that much time and energy into me. And yet they did. And my college coach, I, I got to college and, and, uh, uh, we, we had 10, 118 partners when I first walked in the door. And I was still trying to wrestle 105 internationally at the time. And I just, I, I went to college and, and got in and, and I just took, again, I was right back. It felt like high school. I was taking horrendous beatings and, uh, didn't get a takedown. You know, so many stories that have come out from other athletes I'm around, wrestlers. Same story. I mean, I didn't get a takedown until after Christmas break, you know, and, and in the room. And, and it, it just, the, and yet it's a point where you think that you know wrestling coming out of high school and then you, you go to college and you realize, man, I don't know. <laughs> and, and so I, I quit. I quit the team. And I, I very rarely ever saw my college coach sit unless it was in the corner. But, you know, he was a lieutenant colonel. Uh, in the Army Reserve, and, and he is sitting on the steps of Wood Hall as I'm walking to 
uh, one of my social science courses. And uh, I walk up the stairs, I see him, and I'm like, Coach Tinker, and he says to me, Jerry, I, I know you're injured currently, but we really want you back in the room, and, and we expect you back there a day at 3 o'clock. And there was nothing wrong with me uh, physically, just mentally broke, and, uh, and maybe spiritually a little bit. And so, uh, but I went back at 3 o'clock, and then from that point, I, I you know, again, 17 surgeries, double-digit trips to the emergency room while I was in college. And, and now, 17 surgeries, that's a lifetime, but I mean, the, the trips to the emergency room was, was quite often, it seemed like. And, uh, and yet, I never thought of quitting after that. Not one time. I mean, it didn't matter. You know, now both hips have been replaced, eight knee surgeries, both shoulders reconstructed. I mean, most things had metal in them. So, at the end of the day, I just never thought about it again. Even the, all the times of lifting a three-pound weight for a couple of months so you can get back to, to what you love to do. So, yeah. Very well, fortunate. What were all these trips to the emergency room for? Oh, it was, it was just, I mean, it was just like the very first day. I mean, we're doing, we're doing, we're closing out with uh, conditioning and we're doing three-man rolls, right? I've got a 190-pounder All-American that has gotten angry that he's got two lightweights um, in the group with him. He just kind of smashed me down, but unfortunately... Uh, when he did, my hand was caught in a bad angle and my fingers ended up on the back of my hand, you know, so it was like, okay. So, you know, seems like that, it just seemed like, you know, I, I, I was working with a younger athlete one time and I lifted him up and tried to set him down backwards over my back and he thought we were still going, I guess, and he drove his head down into my calf and dislocated my ankle. You know? oh. So just stuff like that. And just, you know, uh, one day I, we, we had, we had a, a, a JUCO All-American or a JUCO finalist come in to like take my spot, you know, and I was like, all right, I've waited my turn. I'm not giving up the spot. And we just kept fighting it out. And sooner or later, I started getting the better of him. And that's thing I know. I mean, he level changed down and drove his face right through my face. And it, I woke up later and my nose was fractured and my skull was fractured and it was back to the emergency room again. And it was, that was kind of funny because I get back there and and eight days earlier, the same doctor had been on call and, and I had fractured two ribs and he told me I couldn't wrestle because there was an inward break on one of the ribs. And so he didn't want me to wrestle anymore. And then I have to go, I go back to the emergency room and sure enough, this doctor walks out and he's been on, you know, he's on rotation and uh, he comes out and he sees me and he says to me straight up, he said, I thought I told you you couldn't wrestle. And I couldn't even talk, you know, I couldn't say anything to him. And, uh, he was, he was so angry. So, yeah, just, it seemed like one after another, right? Wait, 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 wait. So you had, I guess a couple, I mean, I, I don't know if it's a xylophone of broken ribs, but you had a couple of broken ribs. I had two, yeah, two broken ribs. Okay. Yeah. He tells you that, you're not to wrestle anymore, or at least the very least he doesn't think you should wrestle anymore. Right. Right. And you never stop. And then right. a very short time later, yeah. you see him again. Now, I know you're not one to pass judgment. You know, you're a very kind <laughs> man, but having that story in your back pocket, how does that feel when you deal with athletes who might not want to practice because their ribs are a little sore? 
Well, I mean, I you know, I, I don't ever try to to pretend that I know what uh, the I would pull speaking. that card every time. <laughs> oh <laughs> right. my gosh. Every time I pull that card. Because <laughs> I just, you know, even as an official, you know, I would sometimes, you know, somebody would make a statement that would be like, well, he, he meant to do this. And I'm like, did he mean to do that mentally or did you see that as his physical action? Because I'm only measuring the physical action. That's all I'm measuring. I'm not trying to get into the mind of the athlete. It doesn't, you know, we, we, it's been proven over and over again. I mean, it's just like coaches sometimes that say, well, I've got my thumb on the pulse of, of, of their thoughts and I know what, what's going on. And I don't, I, I don't think we can do that. I mean, most coaches are 20 years or superior to the athletes that they're working with. And, and, and I don't even know if I could think like I once did when I was in my 20s. So, I mean, so there's so much, so much to that, right? So for the most part, it's, it's, we communicate with them at the highest level that their availability to have. And, and then we work with them through their needs. Coming into this situation next year, next season or whatever the term is, have you given thought to the fact that, and don't get me wrong, I mean, you were shaking hands with a lot of this before you came back to the national program four years ago, but there is a difference with this, you know, I guess, I don't know what the letter of the alphabet is, generation whatever, but this current generation of high schoolers, they're obviously not the same as even 10 years ago. They, this is a generation that has been raised on technology. They are social media savvy and active before they even get into high school. There's a lot of different kinds of group dynamics involved with this age range now that I think weren't around, uh, certainly not when I was in high school, and I'm going to certainly venture not when you were. Absolutely. I mean, are you prepared to navigate the different kinds of social and interpersonal distractions that today's high school athletes, I mean, I would guess in large part contend with? You know, right now, I I don't know that. That's such a great question. But I think that, you know, right now our focus is moving forward. You know, there's so many things that have to happen before I get to that point. And, you know, with, whether it's Tokyo or Guatemala City, uh, you know, Budapest, uh, uh, UFO, Russia, there's so many things that have to happen prior to that with the training camps domestically and internationally and, and everything that we've got to get done that I don't know that I've, I've and maybe I haven't measured that very well yet, Tim. I, I hope that, uh, but but I do hope at the end of the day that there is a there is a way to find um, the best path um, to work with the athlete. And and, and I, there's no doubt in my mind that it will it will have to be different from even the last time that I did this thing. I I I believe in my heart, just looking at it overall, that. There's no doubt that even in the last five years of this change again. And again, change is, is what we want to see, but now we've got to figure out how do we capture that and, and move people and help them move forward. So that, that will be a, that will be interesting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, it's something I think about all the time. I mean, you have daughters. I, you, I mean, your kids are obviously yes. far older than mine, but I mean, my nine year old, 
she doesn't have social media accounts per se, of course. Obviously, that would not happen in this home. But at the same time, it's like I look around. I'm like, oh man, like I'm just. I, it's like a world I want to block her from. You know, right. I just I can't even I can't even really stand it even. Think about it. Uh, my son, I don't care. I mean, he's a maniac. He could do what he wants. The, my little girl, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's different. I see it differently. <laughs> well, that's why I had three daughters. So I didn't want to go that You're out. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, getting back to the good style here. Yes. The good style. Yes. I, I no longer Absolutely. refer to it as the classical style. It's the good style. I like it. Well, first off, just for recency's sake, you're in Georgia. There's the, I mean, we're calling it Olympic camp, but essentially it's also Pan Am preparation camp for sure. Um, Well, despite the fact I have to do a Coach Matt Lindley report coming up pretty shortly, uh, which I'm sure he will divulge plenty of details, I'm asking you first, and that is, number one, just speak to the facility there in Alpharetta. You know, it's it yeah. hurts. I've heard a lot about it. I've seen pictures of it. Everybody's there. So what is this place like exactly if you were to compare it with, you know, just another RTC somewhere? Well, I mean, this, this place is awesome. It is uh, what what John Bardis has afforded us. And to bring all three teams in, in a time when the training center is closed down uh, to anything that even looks even close to the size of this. I mean, um, you know, just, just in our grouping, we have 145 people that's in camp and in one location. So, I mean, this camp is massive. I mean, you remember the camp that we had out in Vegas where we had the five different teams, the three world teams, the two Pan Am teams. And that was a great 10-day camp there at uh, Las Vegas. You know, we hosted there at South County. But, but this has all of those earmarkings of that. I mean, there's so much. And it's 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 not just what where the mats, the mats are, you know, eight mats laid down on a, on a, in, in a hockey rink where – you know, we've got glass all around it to where tier two people are literally behind glass and it's, it's built that way, right? I mean, you, you couldn't, you couldn't have this someplace else and have that happen. And, and then the weight ring facilities, the, the sauna, they brought in a sauna. Um, they've just gone over the top. They, they have chefs that cook lunch and dinner. And like tonight, I mean, I had fresh, uh, I had grilled asparagus. I had steamed carrots that was just phenomenal. And, and then beef that was just cooked completely perfect. So th- there's so much to this that, that is being poured into the athletes and, uh, staff and everybody that's associated with it. And, and John and his team has just, uh, laid it out. And then with USA Wrestling and what, what Shannon Doherty has done and, and the way that she's organized it all the way down from Cody and, and everybody that's been a part of this right now, uh, having that, that real first real day. I mean, we all had, uh, take the road off of the athletes type workouts, but like, man, today, uh, you could tell that all three styles was getting after it. I, I stuck around, I, I 
went in early and got to watch a little bit of freestyle this morning. Uh, we, we got up and had a morning workout ourselves. We went in early and, um, and we followed a group. It was crazy. We were in at 730 and we had followed a group already. So we went in, got a morning workout in, uh, had a team come right on right after us and clean the mats and move forward. So just stuff like that that just, I, I mean, and, and having everybody together, there brings an, an, a, a synergy that, that there, there's really positive power in this. I mean, uh, today, uh, you know, one of our, one of our athletes that came and worked with our Olympians, um, got, you know, turned around and had, had a Greco practice with, with, uh, Jaden Cox. Watching Jaden get back to Greco was, was fun today. And, uh, and, and again, that's just a side note, but that, but still it was fun. It was, it was enjoyable, but the focus is obviously on, on, you know, Alex and Ildar and John and, and, uh, and, and looking forward to getting, uh, you know, Tracy in here. And so just for right now, though, the, the focus on the Olympians, watching each style on how they do it and how they, they pinpoint their focus. You know, it, it's, it's amazing when you have this large army stand behind you and work with you but pushing forward those, those people that have made the cut. And so, uh, it, it's just, it's an amazing process. I mean, uh, tonight we were on another Zoom call and some of the athletes were reflecting back on 2000 Olympic camp. And that was one of my favorite camps to, to work, you know, Coach Frazier got a great job. And, and at one point we went up in the mountains and, uh, two mornings ago we went out on a walk here and it's a river walk and, uh, what this city has done uh, to promote that. I mean, we got up in the morning, drove out just like five minutes from here, and then got to spend, I mean, you could spend hours on this trail. We went down the trail, got into a clearing, a little triangle clearing that was, was cut down, and, and then Coach Mo took him to another workout, you know, a hand-fighting workout. Stuff like that, getting outside, being off the mats momentarily, doing a lot of mat savvy work and smart work. Uh, it was great. And the whole thing's been great. I mean, I could go on and on. It's, it's really laid out. The hotel obviously is walking distance. Um, it, it's less than a block away, less than a block. Uh, it, and if it was attached, it would be, you know, it, it, that's the only way it can get closer. And then uh, restaurants in the area. And, and yet we don't need it because of the, quality of food and everything. And, and team five members are here. So they're working with us. They're out of Colorado. They're working directly with the athletes every day, hours and hours. So it's just the whole thing is set up very well. A lot of these guys on the uh, Greco side know each other, uh, most cases, intimately well. If they haven't been on teams Absolutely. together, they've certainly trained together and traveled together at some point or another. How is the general vibe amongst our guys? Really good. I mean, they, they're, you know, they're working together. You can see that they've got, I mean, like today, we, we did, Coach Lindland did three different sets of matches and you could just see that it, the flow was so easy. You know, they, they set up their matches, they were ready and it just went, it went off like clockwork. And, um, we've got, 
we've got, uh, you know, 11, I'm sorry, tomorrow we'll end up having 14 uh, Olympian coach mentors in, you know, again, Grunewald, Warren, Christian, Bracken, Smith, Jay Robinson's back. I mean, you know, world team member in Greco, um, Derek Waldrop, Dantzler, Ruiz, Frazier, Martinez, Kemp, Lewis. I mean, it's, it's an all-star cast that is supporting these athletes. And all it's doing is it's putting more energy in the room, putting more focused energy into the Olympians. So it's really very well done right now. I feel really good about it. You know, I'm usually, I don't want to say skeptical. I would say hesitant. When it comes to certain peripherals around our sport, I get carried away, you know, and I and I don't want to lose right. that part either. You know, I like getting carried away, and I like getting excited and overexcited about stuff. But when it comes to various ideas and things implemented, sometimes I'm a little bit... I would just say hesitant. It's not skepticism. Sure. Skepticism is cynicism. And it's like, okay, well, that's not going to work and whatever. It's more like, well, let's see. You know, let's see yeah. how this how this goes. And what I'm referring to in this case is this mentorship program, this mentorship tree. Uh, I know that Hall's involved in it. I mean, I know who everybody else yeah. is involved pretty much. But, I mean, yes. obviously I'm very close to Dennis. And right. the reason why I instantly liked it, like really liked it. It's not just because sometimes there are athletes who maybe haven't been so plugged into the program in recent years. And this was like a good way to get them back into the fold a little bit, but it's more that there has been from my vantage point anyway, a little bit of a disconnect between let's say the current group of guys and guys from years past. The reason why I think that is important is because the one common intangible that the older guard brings to the table is a without prejudice level of competitiveness like right. did not matter if they were wrestling somebody from russia or somebody from slovakia the intensity level was going to be the same it was going to be constant everybody represented the same threat level to them and not that I, I mean, in no way am I even besmirching any of our current guys, but it's also this, you know, if you're a 25-year-old Team USA athlete, well, at this point, you've probably been wrestling, like you said before, like you've probably been wrestling at this stage for what, you know, maybe 20 years or at least 18 years or something like that. And you've already had so many matches because the kids in that in that era just have, they're always getting more matches. <laughs> You just, right. A lot of these things get just become autonomous. It's like, okay, well, I know that this guy isn't that much of a threat to me, so maybe I don't have to try to kill him for six minutes because I'll probably be able to wrap this up in about two. But the older generation, they didn't have that. You know, they were yeah. pretty much animals all the time. Yes. And like, so I, I was looking forward to seeing. I still am looking forward to see how that kind of influence. Uh, sort sort of sees itself through, but uh, for you, what have you witnessed so far as far as these dynamics go? So much of what you talk about is, you know, you, you're right. I mean, those guys in the early 2000s and and, and um, 
what they bring to the table is just that. I mean, they, again, they don't care what it is. I mean, I, I think if they were in a tiddlywinks game, I mean, there's going to be a fist fight that follows it. And they just, they compete at a level. And, and, and they're great friends, you know, they were great friends then and they're great friends now. And to watch them be together, um, and, and then you know, I mean, they were laughing tonight on a call that we had about how many times they open up each other's heads, you know? And that was just, so you're right. Whether it was a Russian or whether it was an American friend, I'm going to do these things to you and, and to the best of my ability. And so I think that that, that is all, you know, again, those kinds of people, they live on an expectation. And they have an expectation for themselves. And then uh, they set a standard. And I think those are the kinds of things that, uh, again, it, it's going to help any program where you have that. And it's just like, you know, both the men's and women's freestyle program. I mean, they, you know, they have the expectations and, and they set a standard. And, you know, we're all training together. So there's so much in an environment right now between the mentors and the, the common USA um, and, and again I, I I cannot use the word common there I mean it, it's, it's it's common to them because they set standards but the standard is excellence and when you're in, intertwined with that much uh, of people that's all moving in one direction and and they're advancing then that's going to be that's going to be a positive for our program there's, there's no way it's not and again, when you when you talk about whether it's John Bartis or whoever it is, everyone they don't just speak excellence; they 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 act on it. And so, of course, that that's going to improve us. Do you think that the best part of this whole camp, this leading to you know this Olympic camp leading to Pan Ams, and is positioned to be the kind of kickoff this team needs? after really not having been together in an official format in over a year? Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it could be, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think about how it could be better. And I, right now you're, you're again, rounding the money. I think that when you look at, at what it, us being away and apart and having to train in, I mean, look at some of the training that, some of our athletes was doing. I mean, rather it was, I mean, I, I had where they were rolling mats out of an old garage and putting them onto the driveway and they were running off into the grass where the grass wasn't, you know, it, it, it dirt and grass and everything else. And they're out there wrestling on the mat outside and then roll it back up and start again. And, and, and just uh, with gyms being closed and, and everybody turning some room into a home gym somehow. I mean, it's just with, with all of those kinds of things that you do to get through the survival stage that you need to, uh, and then to come here and have everything at a first class, high level, uh, everything done. You know, again, you know, the, the, the meals, the diet, all that was set up by team five. I mean, and then. John Bardis and his his crew here in, in Atlanta in Alpharetta, 
turned around and made that happen. This is what's going to be cooked tonight. And this is, that's been approved. And, and so across the board for it to be first class and done that way, it is, you're, you're right. It's, it's, this is a great, um, it's a great position to leap from. All right, let's move to, I would like to move to, uh, age group. Age group. It's funny because age group has become like such a, like a really apt, succinct catch-all term. Right. It used to be like, you know, just you, you would specify everything, like, uh, you know, cadet, junior, blah, 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 blah. It's like even U23 is in a technical way, age group, but I, 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 you don't lump it in usually the same way. But nevertheless, uh, well, here, just because I know that you've been at all these tournaments, I've watched them myself, I've covered them. I want to start is uh, U15 and Cadet. Uh, U15 is is a really, really, I think, important age group, if only because this is the age, you know, 14, 15. This is when the this is the age when decisions are starting to be made, in a way. Yes. And it's also an age of great discovery, even maybe more so than U20 or U17. I think it's important for those two reasons, is because at 14, 15, the kind of wrestlers who are going to compete at the U15 trials, they're the kind of wrestlers, by and large, who have been around a little bit. They've probably competed at the very least massively regionally, if not nationally already. They're shrewd. They have at least a sense of what it is they like. But at the same time, they're not locked in or committed to anything. So right. it's a real big opportunity. What for you, comparative to 2019 anyway, did you like about this year's U15 tournament? Well, again, I mean, there are so many good coaches in America right now that I feel is getting better and better. We are getting better in Greco. And, you know, all the way down to the bottom with, with Slater Hicks, um, you know, working your way up through. I mean, again, Alan Wu, just up and down the lineup. I mean, our Pan Am team is, is really, really solid. And, and, um, you know, again, just, you know, at 57 kilo, Vince Bazakis, I mean, just up and down the line and you, you watch how they battled. Um, just, it, it was very similar in, in nature to what we saw, I felt, in 2019 when we went to Budapest and had great success over there with the five world champions and the, the two third place finishers that, that came back home and, and yet, you know, we had another one that, that went over and, and just ran into a tough bracket. You know, he, he gets defeated by the Russian who gets defeated by the Turk. And so where are the tournament? He comes back. What's he do? Wins Fargo. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's those kinds of, then turns around and puts himself back on a cadet team this year, uh, in freestyle. So there's so many of, uh, you know, of these kinds of things where like, you're right. You're seeing these athletes that have really been well coached. Uh, they've got tons of experience right now. And, uh, that experience is in all styles of wrestling. And you're seeing those styles, especially in Greco, where that ability to have fighting efficiency is very high for someone at their age. And, 
then we turned around and saw that U15 from 2019 uh, show up in huge ways at the cadet level. I mean, again, at 65 kilo, I think it was, you've got four returning world team members in one weight, and all four made it out to the semifinals and wrestled each other. I mean, that's the kind of depth that we need so desperately in America at each group. And um, we're starting to see that, I think. But it all starts with U15. It all starts there. Yes. I liked that there were two Idaho kids. Yep. I liked, uh, because I have some kind of Idaho bias for, you know, obvious and not so obvious reasons, I guess. But um, uh, Matt Martino and Hudson Rogers and right. that, you know, Matt Martino, I, I, I really liked if watching his matches, what I really liked was the fact that he was just very consistent and poised. Like there wasn't frantic. I think I have something. Let me just go ahead and rush. He seemed very confident once he got into a position. He was very streamlined and the other Idahoan and that's Rogers. And I think he's 68 kilos, which is pretty heavy for you. 15. Right. That kid was very impressive because he was very gritty. He was very tough. I had heard actually from someone that he had been dinged up prior to the tournament and even still like a, a machine. Right. And you saw this, obviously you said, you said Buzakis already. And then. Mantanoma. I mean, Cassiopeis. I mean, there's, there's so many that have brothers that are, that are in front of them that, that have, you know, these guys are these guys are following a path. It's encouraging to see because they 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 competed in this style with zeal, you know. Yes. It was it's it's just different. And then Cadet, I really you know Cadet, you can't say enough about Cadet because Cadet right. I thought was very very strong. I thought Cadet in certain cases was uh, one of the better Cadet tournaments in in a few years actually. And that's kind of quite saying something, considering the cadet teams right. we've had over the course of this quad. Uh, yep. Your look at this is your wheelhouse, observationally, cadet overview me cadet. Well, first of all, look at the bookends. You know, you've got Bo Bassett and Jim Mullen. You know, those two who are I have double very champions. special for Mullen. Of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> New Jersey, and so. But, uh, no, you know, Bo Bassett out of PA, just, uh, you, you look at the bracket. I mean, Mac Mauger, uh, you, you know, Sierra. I mean, there, there's, there's just tough athletes up and down the lineup. And yet, you know, uh, another one, uh, Lilidol comes back. He gets third and Greco comes back, wins it in freestyle. Um, you know, Aiden Valencia goes up, um, in weight, uh, and then, but, but people like Otto Black, I mean, uh, number five coming through that with, with what you look at with, um, Pan Ams and just the, the whole list is like that. Um, you know, you go to 55 and you've got more land, uh, Lawrenson, uh, Gable Porter, I mean, Zane Fugit, I mean, the, up and down the lineup, there, you know, Cannon Webster uh, out of Illinois, Rhett Peak. That the the whole thing is is just loaded with names that 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 
we're starting to really keep seeing over and over again. And all that's in, in one bracket. And then again, you go, you go up one more. You've got four more guys in, in the top end of that area. You've got a, a Grayson Clark in that, that, you know, he's had all kinds of success internationally already. Um, and, and, and Chris Coates, uh, just up and down. I mean, Elijah Paulson, obviously. And so, and, and then, then you get to that bracket at 65 where you've got Schellinger, Shapiro, Adams, Manville that, that come out of that. Ferrari, uh, Jaden Cologne, I mean, uh, uh, world team member, uh, Pan Am champion, uh, Tyler Antoniak, world champion at U15. Uh, again, that, that list was just, you know, over and over. The depth is, is incredible. And so, um, we're very, uh, 71, Stauffenberg, uh, Michelson, uh, Haynes, just, Again, the depth is what we're, we've been after. And I think that, um, you know, this group is, is showing what U15 does when they have the success there. And then they come in there. I mean, that, that tournament, these guys were all ready to compete to, to, to win it, to make a world team again. And so we, we obviously feel very good about this group and we're looking forward. We've got camp coming up. Uh, May 29 through June 4 with this group. And we've got um, 26 athletes that's going to come into that camp. And, and we're just going to try to keep as many on this, on this path as we can at this point. Nobody really talks about stuff like the cadet duels, the junior duels. You know, everything just completely centers around Fargo, it seems like, anyway. But to me, that's why I like the duels is because – the duels put these wrestlers in the international styles in a competitive format most of them are quite familiar with. Okay, you put them in a team environment. They feed off of each other. I love the duels because I think they're exciting. Uh, I don't like how they – like it almost seems like they're – I don't want to say an afterthought, but they'd shuffle to the side because Fargo is such a monster. And when I say this, Gary – I say this not as a, you know, a Matt Lindland-esque proponent of we need to get kids over to Greco younger and younger and get them full-time at 16. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I think that right. I think that's super, and I think it's fantastic. It's viable, yes. Sure. So long as that's their passion, I think the option should absolutely right. be there. I think the missing piece of that myself, and I'm – Believe me, I, I, I mean this with all humility. I, I, I'm not trying to sound like a know-it-all. But I think the missing piece is, is that we keep trying to sell this, hey, come over to Greco, you know, you're 16, like you should kind of know by now what you want to do, or 17, and it's like, okay, well, I don't even know if that's true, for crying out loud, but let's even just say it is. So you're 16, 17, it's like, all right, I'll go full-time Greco. I'll kiss high school wrestling goodbye, folk style goodbye. I won't touch anybody's knees with the back of my hand ever again. Fantastic. But here's the problem is that we're not avowing enough competition for them either. And it's like today's wrestler, today's youth wrestler, age group wrestler, they're used to matches. They're used to matches. And I think it's a, a little bit of a tough sell to say, hey, come over to Greco, train Greco. Except here's the thing, 
other than maybe Fargo, if you enter to at least qualify for Fargo and go into Fargo, you're really only going to compete like however many times in a year. And I think that's tough. I think that's, like I said, a tough sell to athletes and, and, you know, I mean, by extension, their parents probably. If only because it's like you got to give these kids a steady diet of competition. I'm not saying that they need 90 matches a year because I think that's absurd. But if they're going to compete in Greco and they're going to go ahead and take that jump, take that leap, this unconventional path that we all celebrate, I think systematically we need to come up with a way to have some kind of circuit of some sort or semblance, you know, whether that's piecing together events in like a certain region of the country where like, you know, in this month ringers in Wisconsin has a showcase and then next month there's this in Minnesota, the next month there's this in wherever, Illinois, whatever, just to me, I would like to see, at least in terms of age group development and crossing kids over to Greco more, is giving them competition if they're going to make that jump. I think that they deserve it. It can't just be, well, maybe we'll try to gather up a, a group of people and we'll take a couple of coaches with us and go overseas for a week. You know, Because you're only going to do that however many times in a year. I mean, for some kids, it's cost prohibitive anyway. Well, no, I, I, it's crazy because Coach Lynn and I talked about that tonight. We spoke about, you know, looking at the different models and what, what model we need to move towards and, and how it, again, we've talked about this many times, you and I have, about we, we face global challenges. I mean, they're multiple and we're going to have to have global solutions. We'll have to have multiple solutions to answer those challenges. And, and you're right. I mean, one of the things that came up in the conversation was exactly what you brought up. If an athlete moves to say, you know what, I want to wrestle Greco, I love Greco, and, and that's what I want to do. Okay, awesome. But at the same point in time, we still have to get them the matches now. And and we don't, I mean, we don't know what the match count should be for a 16-year-old athlete. You know, there was a study released, I don't know, 15 years ago or more, that at some point put out where, they looked at the people that placed in the top three of the worlds and how many matches they had wrestled in that previous year. And like 21 to 26 seemed to be some type of a sweet spot there. And has that changed to 16 or has it changed to 30? You know, we, we don't know. But like at, at 16 years of age, I mean, it's like what we talked about, you know, half hour ago is that, that high school is this dynamic crossroads of, of them trying to find out who they were, who they are, and 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 who they're going to become. You know, like one of the things we talk about all the time with grit and and the development program is that what we need to do is cast the widest net possible because we have no idea of knowing what 15 year old is going to break loose and become the world champion at 24. But we don't know that, so we need to cast the widest net possible bring in as many athletes to the fold as, as we can, and then pour into them. One of the neatest things about going, you know, to recap back to cadet world team trials was just watching the corners work. I mean, again, there was matches where where Ivan Ivanov was in the cor- in one corner, Brandon Paulson was in the other corner, another one, 
Dennis Hall was in one corner and Brandon Paulson was in the other corner. And it was like, you know, you reflect back immediately to the match. And, and so many times that these two guys battled and, and both of them being on the team and having success and making it to the finals in Atlanta, where we're at right now, you know, um, just so many things like that to where we're, we're having our, our current athletes being trained and, and, coached by some of the greatest Greco-Roman athletes and now coaches that we've ever had. And, and so many others, obviously. I mean, the list is, 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 is long now, which is pretty awesome. Pawson's different because Pawson has long been established as a top yes. coach. Top, not yes. that Yvonne's not, but Yvonne, you know, obviously got his start with Northern. Right. But now like, Ato, I mean, you know, the one that Mullen defeated in the finals. I mean, there's another one. Just four or five guys are just incredible. It's about perpetuating interest. It's also, I, it's it's a it's a conundrum. I mean, <laughs> it really is because it's like I, my my offering of a solution is to avail more domestic competition. Okay, well, that's fantastic, and I do believe that is a part of the attraction. I believe that would be a selling point to getting kids over to Greco earlier. But at the same time, we have deficiencies compared to the rest of the world in certain positions. It's like, well, there's got to be a point where the rubber meets the road. How are you going to go ahead and address that? I don't know, but maybe if you get kids good enough at parterre defense organically on your own turf, you might not have such a dire need to indoctrinate them with foreigners over the course of the next five years overseas a million times. I just I want to see it because I think that we do have a chance here, together with Linland, that you guys have done much more so much more prominently than in than any other grouping in the past in our national program is really make make a push for that and to me it's not even about full-time greco so much it's just if you're a really awesome wrestler and you happen to do really well at fargo just come back i mean just right. retention it would be great instead of addition yes i mean you look at braxton amos i mean look at the last two tournaments he's been in i mean He's been in the last two tournaments. He's wrestled in four tournaments. So, <laughs> I mean, it's you know, in, in talking with him tonight, I mean, I'm I'm so excited. You know, we are so excited about him and and his future. And but you know, here's a young man that is just he's a fantastic wrestler, right mentality, um, high wrestling IQ. No, you wish you Very could call him. You just wish you could. Oh. He's so so wonderful. Oh, and, and and put him in, and then and then get nine others in different sizes. Right. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, and so he's he's a great example of that. I mean, and we could go back to Sam Hayeswinkle and 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 his trifecta of of how he you know all that he accomplished in in all three areas. And so, and I you know right now. I think that Braxton has placed himself in a spot to do that. And one of the things that Braxton said to me tonight was so great was that just, he said, you know, coach, what it does though is it gives me options. Uh, I, I have more options and I get more wrestling out of it. And he, he's looked at it just as wrestling is wrestling. 
And, and again, like we brought up, it's not for everybody. Just like taking a single path is not for everybody. But what we need to do, going back to the global challenges and the global solutions, is we need to monitor his success and see what that looks like and, and draw as many young athletes as possible to follow his lead and then bring in as many young athletes as we can to follow the lead of, you know, like what, what Stelt and, and Coach Cowley's done, uh, you know, with, with the Austin Nutters and the Benji Peaks of the world, right? Right. And, and, and again, if we can, and absolutely, right? Another one out of that tournament. And so when you look at it, you know, it, it, we need to, to work and create environments that manufacture more of each of those style of athletes. That's how I see it, too. I'm seeing this more from snow globe kind of perspective in some cases. And, and you bring up the phrase wrestling is wrestling. And it's funny because it's not a contentious phrase by any stretch, but usually I don't like it. You know, Nate Angle right. is a big wrestling is wrestling guy. And every time he says it, there's a little part of me that gets pissed <laughs> off. Usually my sardonic answer to that is, okay, well, wrestling is wrestling. Well, show me a Greco-Roman match from Fargo. And then I'll show you one from Armenia, and then we'll all talk right. about how wrestling is wrestling. But sure. what I come down on to be friendly about it is I don't necessarily, when it comes to Greco-Roman anyway, I don't necessarily think wrestling is wrestling. What I think is is that if you can wrestle this, you can figure this out. Right, the rule changes. Yes, they're not the same, but your skill set is transferable. I remember talking with T.C. Dantzler few years ago at one point. I mean, I talked to TC kind of often, but either way, I wouldn't want to legislate what they do well in one style out of Greco either. Got to stop complaining about folk style and casting blame on folk style and instead go back to start leveraging it to our advantage. There's advantages there. You know, the, the two examples I tend to bring up are Tazmiridov Obviously, you know who Tazmiridov is from Uzbekistan. Yeah. I mean, he's the best athlete in the sport, probably. He might not be the best wrestler right. overall. I mean, he, there's an argument for that. Sure. There's Tazmiridov, and then there's Shota Tanakura from Japan. And, yeah, you know, I get it. They're both lightweights. I could I could give you more. I mean, look at Natsakanian. He's another one I, that comes to mind. You look at Tazmiridov and you look at Tanakura, and, yeah, okay, they're Greco-Roman athletes. They've never done anything else. But if you watch them wrestle – like watch them actually when I mean that phrase literally wrestle struggle get intertwined with another human they have folk style sensibilities to their games they do not just level changing I mean I've seen Tazmiridov in scrambles that would make NCAA wrestlers jealous right. see what we have here our baseline system for wrestling in the United States, yeah, it, is it a hindrance to Greco-Roman internationally? Well, it, it is currently maybe, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And the proof that you have with that is to look at our 80s and 90s. You know, look at our 80s and 90s, the guys who were making those teams. I mean, I could, I guess you could go back even further than that. I wasn't, I wasn't born then, but in the 80s and 90s, all of those guys who made World and Olympic teams across the board virtually were college folk style wrestlers who came over to Greco rather late. Now, I get that the texture of the sport was different in that era too, but it doesn't change the fact that 
they were willing to expound upon their foundational skill set and try to innovate ways to make it work in this style. In fact, I remember, to bring up a more recent example, is Peyton Walsh. Your first impression of Peyton Walsh was in Russia in December of 2017, I believe. And I remember you talking to me from Russia saying that against one of these Russian guys, Peyton Walsh basically hit a high crotch without touching the legs. And Walsh was brand spanking new at the time. He didn't know much of anything at all. Right. And and it's like, well, we've got to – And look how far that guy came. Exactly. And it's like, well, we we have to have, I think, that innovative mindset. And I think Linda would agree with that because he always brings up – the creativity aspect to all of this, like be yeah. creative, you know, like there's no rule that says you have to do an arm drag all conventionally by the book and, you know, like, uh, or you have to like swim for underhooks at every available opportunity. You might have something different. You might have a different way that you're going to gather your positions. And maybe a lot of those ways come from folk style nuances. We can't, I, I, I don't want to legislate that out either. So that's why we need people like you because I sometimes mentally I can't even navigate it. I really can't. Like it, it's it's tough, and that's one of the reasons why Hayeswinkle is so special. I mean, yeah. Hayeswinkle is special for a million reasons, but one of the reasons was he could compartmentalize these things on a level I don't know who else oh. in his generation even comes remotely close to. Absurd, and I'm not just saying that because I love Sam and I I know Sam well oh, or whatever. But four time All American. Olympic alternate Olympian in three different styles of, of going. And, and then you turn around and he, in the Olympic alternate part of Greco, he ends up uh, being a university world champion. World champion yep. Right. I mean, just at every level and in all three styles, he did it all. He did it because he understood how to make everything work for the other. That's the only time I'm okay with wrestling is wrestling, really, is if, like, Hayes right. says it, because it's like you can't argue with it. <laughs> you, know? you can't. You know? Well, I'll tell you this. Coach Jay Robinson at that camp here, I mean, he has um, uh, enlightened many people. On, I mean, again, you know, the year that he had, uh, you know, 69... Uh, fighting in Vietnam, 70 world team, 71, 72 Olympic team. I mean, just, I, I can't fathom, you know, the years that he went, that he did that and how he did it. And then he comes back and in, in what, December of 72, leaves the army, January of 73, his friend Dan Gable gets him to come to the University of Iowa. I mean, and again, from Oki State wrestling to a Greco-Roman team to an Olympic team to then back at, at Iowa, then later on winning titles at Minnesota. There's just That's another one of those deals where, but again, what we're saying is that there's not one path. We should, we should be affording multiple paths and finding, because again, what would our sport be without a Jay Robinson? What would our sport be? And, and, and uh, uh, Sam Hayeswinkle. And so, but at the same point in time, 
the energy and the excitement that Benji Peak brought to a couple of tournaments here of late. I mean, it has everybody buzzing. And and so we need each of these people. And however that looks, we need to provide the greatest range of opportunity to reach out to each of those individuals and the people that will follow them in their footsteps. Their stories lead by example. I mean, Jay Robinson, you're talking about one of the greatest maniacs oh, of all time. Absolutely. It's just in every facet of his wrestling life. Right. Unique individual. And, and so, so influential off the mat to a lot of oh. his guys. It's crazy. Life changer. I didn't even know Robinson was going to be there. So, I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. No, it's it's been a great opportunity for so many of the of the athletes that's in camp and coaches. Both. Your wife, Dorothy's, you know, got to know her. She's uh, very right. uh, supportive of our our <laughs> endeavors. And um, yep, well, she loves your work and and uh, enjoys reading and, and learning. And uh, yeah, she's getting ready to head tomorrow to uh, Southeast Regional to work that event. So yeah. Is she I'm not trying to put you in a spot here, and I don't right. want you to have to spend any nights on a couch if that's a thing <laughs> you guys have no. done? <laughs> no, I'm very fortunate. Is Dorothy excited about Oak Park? I think she is. I mean, I think that you know we 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 obviously we talked a lot about it because it's a it is a you know a directional change in life. Uh, for both of us in a way. And, and so, uh, we're partners in this, in this whole thing. And she's just, I mean, she's the best partner I could have. And, and I think that she understands our sport and she, the thing that I love most about her in that regard is just that she's always been able to make the important things important. She sees through things. She calls me out on stuff. And, 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 and will, you know, say, look, you need to look at this harder for the right reasons. And, and she's really, really good at that. And, um, she has a passion for the sport. And I, I think that you can actually, I mean, I, I can actually hear it when she, when she's announcing. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, we just, we're very fortunate to, I know I'm very fortunate to have her, uh, always in my corner. And so, uh, there was a time where, you know, we're getting, you know, closer and looking at all the options and seeing what it looks like. And she loves USA wrestling and, and, uh, always has. And, 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 you know, we just kind of looked at each other and went, is this the right thing for us at this time? And, um, you know, we'll see. But, uh, but again, most of it is still, there's an awful lot of things to be worked out. And I, I'm looking forward to that opportunity but i'm also you know again usa wrestling's a, a big part of my life and it's been a big part of my life for i don't know 37 years 38 years and so i don't plan on that altering at all I, I i hope that i can do more there's a lot of work to be done at the development level um or I, and i you know i'm like you i i like age group more than development i mean development i i say development and we have athletes right now at the cadet and junior level that, that I don't know that development's a good word. I, I, I know that they say it still have so far to go. We understand that. And nobody understands it better than you do as far as that, that level jump that you see. 
um, you know, at, at senior level, what that really gets down to. And yet, you know, these guys, man, they're good. They're talented. So we're looking forward to it, seeing what they go. We're a country who has to develop our seniors, too. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Dorothy, by the way, I mean, Dorothy's a fantastic announcer. She's a fantastic yes, announcer. So. I'm biased, but yeah. Great commanding voice. Right. I also got a kick out of, at the Olympic trials out of, um, I think it was the Friday night, Friday night session. It was coming to a close. She was telling <laughs> she was telling everybody that the session on Saturday began at noon. She kept saying, Hi noon. Wonderful, perfect sense in Texas of like all, yeah. of all places. Like just yeah. uh I really got a I got a kick out of it. I actually uh LOL'd. I actually laughed out loud about it. Oak Park you know, there's another high school called Oak Park, right? Oak Park River Forest, familiar? Absolutely. Yes. Mike Powell, awesome coach. Yes, yeah, we enjoyed we enjoyed competing against each other, and and uh, we it was fun. It was I I enjoyed I I learned a lot of things from the way that they do business. And at one point, one of the better compliments I think it's been thrown our way was he said to me, "You guys are the original Oak Park," and so it was it was cool. So. He, he's been great for our sport. Oh, it's amazing what cohesion does. It's amazing what unity does. I mean, that that's a big part of his thing. That was a big part yeah. of his thing at Oak Park, get everybody fighting for the yeah. same cause, that yeah. they feel part of something, part of something that's bigger than them as individuals. He's a blessed man. He really is. He's a special oh. person, very special person. Yes. All right, well, Gary, before I let you go, I mean, just for the sake of the audience, if you could – and I'll I'll limit it just for for fun's sake and to put some kind of brevity to it I suppose I'll limit it to three but you know since 2017 manager of operations for Greco Roman Wrestling in the United States of America what were or have been let's let's say have been thus far your three favorite moments. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I don't usually do this, but when I do stuff like no, this, no, I make it, it count. This this is this is hard. I was laughing today with Colton Schultz on the way up the hill um, to practice. Just uh, you know, his time. I mean, he did three trips in a row, and and getting to know him on those first three trips, and, and especially the time that we spent with just he, myself, and uh, and Tracy in Sweden for a week, you know, and, and, uh, so that, that's gotta be one of them. I just, uh, I, I think it was just watching someone of that age handle international competition and travel and length of travel. I mean, he was a month, you know, I mean, just, and, and I'll never forget when we landed back in Denver, you know, his folks being at the airport and, and everybody being so excited and, and just realizing that, you know, I asked him today, I said, you were 17 then, is that right? He goes, yes. And I was like, that's amazing. And so, but that, that's probably one of them. That's one of my favorite, because every morning I would get up and, and I would uh, run down. We were so close. We were within blocks away from the, the Olympic Stadium there. And I would I would go down there in, in you know, 1912 um, and, and, and run the stadium in the morning and, um, it's just incredible. It was a, it was a great trip overall. 
And then um, I would say another one is uh, the trip uh, you you alluded to it with with Peyton Walsh and and Jay Antonelli and and guys when, when we went to St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, that trip was was just um, so much great wrestling and uh, really really strong training. Uh, we had in the mornings they would uh, we would we would get to work by ourselves, just the Americans. And and all we did was we would reflect back on what we learned the night before because every, you know, we would take a subway, we, we'd walk a long way, get to a subway station, get out, and then walk to the, ben, or to the uh, training site. And uh, it was cold. <laughs> it, was, it was bitter. And yet we, we got there and, and every night and wrestled, and you saw how many Russians were rolling through this place in four different wrestling areas in this academy and and how strong it was and then and then the the lessons that we learn each night we turn around and then fix and work on the next day with ourselves and so some of the best training that i've been associated with with the program so it'd probably be two and then um man there's just so many others i i don't know what i would choose as the third but those two at least stand out for sure. And there's just so many others. Uh, the, the trip to Rome, I, I wish that, you know, we would have uh, performed a little bit better, um, obviously as a team, but but the, the trip to Rome was, was as, as well, it was really good. Just uh, really good training. Wait, are you um, talking about Rome in March? Uh, not this, this year. Uh, going back to 2019, I think. Right. 2020, 2020. So it was right at the start, and then and then uh, obviously then we got shut down after that. But yeah, going over there because uh, I went there, and then um, you know when we were in Italy at the time, we didn't know that COVID was hitting that country as hard as it was. I mean, everybody was out, nobody had mask on, nothing. And then I fly out of there, and I fly to um, South Korea. And um, about, I stayed in the airport there about five hours, and I think about eighty percent of the flights were coming out of Wuhan. So either in Italy or in in that airport, I think I I got I think I got COVID because I was sick for a few days and then got back up and got going again. But I did a UWW uh, level two coaches course. I was I instructed uh, in Pongo Pongo. And so I literally circumvented the world in like two and a half weeks. So that's a that's something that I never thought I would do as a you know a kid who grew up on a farm in Missouri. So. <laughs> uh, you know what I expected? I'm not going to answer for you. I I did right? expect but, 2019 a, like a tie at least between oh, World Combat world? Games and Junior oh, Worlds. Right. Well, I mean, but but again, those were magical trips because of success, and and those athletes were, man, they were so good and so driven, and and that's that's a great point of it, you know, but I think that there's there's so much I think that, you know, as as much joy as both of them, and and, and again, the U15 trip will always be in my heart as a as a huge piece because it really showed us where 
you know, what we could do because, and, and you know, and, and another one, I mean, going back to Estonia, uh, with, with, with Jared and, and Coach Lindell and I went over and worked with the, this younger athlete group. And, um, I did a, I, I got to do a workshop that had, you know, I don't know, 19 different countries in it. And I had an opportunity to work with, with, there was over 150 athletes in there. And so that was a blast, right? Yeah, I remember and that. The, I remember that. That was whole a big newsmaker. Awesome. It was just a great trip. I mean, but again, that's what I'm saying. There's so many that, that, but, but sometimes these other trips, they capture us because at least for me is, you know, getting with the athlete and, and watching an athlete grow in front of you. And we saw that at U15 Worlds and, and in Estonia. And what was great about that trip too was that, 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 that Coach Lindell and I stayed the next week because we, we got to stay for the, the open event in Estonia and watching Russia bring three teams into one place. I mean, they brought their number one and number two team, which is, is not often done in a tournament that size. And it was pretty amazing to watch that. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I Like you said, there had to be brevity. And, I mean, I could there, – there's probably four or five more that if you brought it up, they would become my favorites. So it, it's, a, it's a great world to be a part of, isn't it? There's so many people that work. I mean, there's just – I mean – I think every time you go to a wrestling tournament, what you're really doing is going to a convention of hard workers and then always get together and then decide to fight it out. So it's pretty awesome. And that was Coach Gary Mayab. Went a little long with Mayab, but so be it. A lot of people like hearing him talk. I'm one of them. Yeah, we just kept going. There were a lot of topics to get to. And chief among them was obviously his move back to the youth coaching, high school coaching over there at Oak Park High School in northern Kansas City. You heard him. Gary Mayab, even when he goes back to the Midwest next, for next high school season, he still wants to be involved. He said he hopes to still have a role. And the fact that he has to say that, I didn't bring it up in the middle of the recording, but the fact that he even has to say that he hopes, look at, that's, let me help USA Wrestling out just a little bit here, okay? Because they need some help. If Gary Mayab says that he wants to be involved, here's what you say. What can we do to make that happen? That's it. It's the only thing you got to ask, okay? It's the only thing you should ask. The Greco-Roman program in the United States has come a long way over the past five and a half years. They are in ways that you might not necessarily notice from the outside looking in. There's been positive changes in terms of communication, relationships, curriculum, opportunities. There's just, there's been so many positives. Negatives, okay, well, there are still coaches involved in our program who should not be. There are still personnel involved in our program who should not be. And I'm sorry to say that. I don't say that waving my fist in the air, okay? There's not a celebratory tone in my voice when I say that. But there are people who, for some reason or another, have various roles in our country's program, whether they're coaches, whether they're administrators, whatever. They shouldn't be here. 
They're not here for the athletes. They're not here to further the sport. They're here to further their careers. Make no mistake about it. They are here to be seen. They're here to seek their own egos. And time and time again, that leads to nothing other than poisonous dynamics, poisonous conversations, and ultimately a lack of progress. Gary Mayab, on the other hand, has been a bright shining light, not just over the past four years since he's been operations manager, but well before that, for decades. So if Gary Mayab is going to coach high school wrestling, beach wrestling, belt wrestling, Turkish oil wrestling, Velcro wrestling, if they have it, and he says, hey, yeah, I'd like to help out. I'd like to be involved. Here's what you say. Awesome. What do we have to do to make sure you can help? How do we, let's let's use a pretentious word. How do we facilitate that? Okay, that's it. That's where the conversation ends. Figure it out. And then there was Austin Morrow, who is one of the hardest working and nicest athletes we have in the United States. And Austin was right there as a 66, 67 kilogram guy. But I tell you, moving up in weight did awesome. He looked great. He looked great. He looked powerful. And that's true, by the way. I had a co- I mean, I had other people comment to me about Morrow. I had a coach, a really good coach, tell me about his lift and said he has the nicest lift. He said another word, too. I, I don't want to say elegant, but it was something that I didn't expect to hear. But either way, it's good to see Austin Morrow doing well. Dislocated his shoulder again. He's been through that before, but hopefully he heals up and is back at it at 110% soon enough. One other item I want to address, and that is because we have not recorded since before the Olympic trials, and that is, you know, look, it, there's been a lot going on since the Olympic trials. I think when I say that, the first thing that pops into most people's heads is 87 kilograms, and that's certainly part of it. 87 kilograms, I do not have any kind of comment on that at all. Other than to say that, well, first and foremost, John Stefanowitz, Olympic team member John Stefanowitz, had one of the most impressive upper weight tournaments I've seen in a very, very long time, Olympic trials or otherwise, considering the scope of competition he had to get through. Just incredible. Barrett Stangill, Alan Vera, P. Mart, and then Joe Rout. I don't know, they don't give OWs at that thing, but... Unbelievable. Everybody knows also my relationship with Joe Rao, Joe Rao's relationship with this platform. So the second part of that actually is is that by the time this episode releases, I don't know if there will be a decision, but there was a legal proceeding involving their 87-kilogram final from the Olympic trials. That happened, I believe, on Wednesday, right? Yeah, Wednesday. So I don't know. And that brings up another point. There have been four editorials in the history of Five Point Move. Four thus far four and the fourth one was released a couple of few weeks ago at this stage and and that was called navigating the uncomfortable it was just the first title that kind of popped in my mind and and the whole idea of that article was really just to warn against tribalism to warn against division regarding stefano what's in rao and what has been happening and i meant what I said about it, we are not a program who can do well with division. We're just not. We don't have the space to tolerate different factions and finger pointing and backstabbing and all this other kind of stuff. We're just not. We can't. We, we need to have 
unity. I know that sounds like a catch-all because you would say that about anything, but Greco-Roman in the United States needs unity. Just like the point with MAP, like we have people involved in our program who really shouldn't be here for as well as the program is doing as a whole, and we don't need other types sowing seeds of dissent. We just don't need it. And that really was the motivation behind the piece. But in an article that was 4,578 words, which I know I've been teased because that's not even like top 500 or something in terms of five-point move content, but still 4,578 words is a lot of words. Out of all those words, the only negative feedback I got was with regard to 200 of them. Of course, that negative feedback came from officials. So here's what we've learned. Here's what we've learned, people. Can't publish a referee's name unless you are going to overwhelm this person with compliments. That's what we've learned. You publish a referee's name for any other reason than to completely shower them with platitudes, you've got a problem. And that's what I learned. And there are many relationships I've had with officials, good ones mostly, but emails, texts, messages, direct messages, DMs, sliding into my DMs just to whine, just to complain. Just to be spineless, laughable, give me a break. Look, the officials in this country have a tough job. They do. It's not easy to be a referee in the United States of America. For all the jokes we tell, for all the snide remarks, for all the bad calls, a lot of these referees, most of these referees, the overwhelming vast majority of them are refereeing three styles throughout the year. They're not just focusing on Greco. and There are plenty of other countries where... Referees predominantly ref just Greco. We don't have that here. So there's a lot on their plates. And you have to respect that because it's not an easy gig. It's it's There's a lot to account for in the middle of a match where points are flying and emotions are high. They have my due respect for all of it. That said, you cannot hide behind volunteerism and try to use that as some sort of suggestion of your own nobility. And that is what a lot of these officials have been doing lately. They're pointing out how they give this up, give that up. They travel. They spend time away from their families to go travel to tournaments. And we don't get paid. And we don't get this. And look it. I get it. But 80-something percent of the participation in our sport is volunteer. Okay? And most of those volunteers are never heard from and they're never seen. That is not the case with officials. So I would like to know the percentage of officials who really love to be out there during big matches so everybody can look at them. So they can be part of the show. So don't tell me you're giving this up and that up. You're, you're indulging yourself just like everybody else is to a certain extent. So spare me. Spare me. Like I'm done with it. Knock it off because you're embarrassing yourselves when you talk that way. Here's the quickest way you can tell someone is in something for the wrong reasons. When they feel the need to explain all the things that they give up to do something. That's how you know. Now, I hope to have a better dialogue with officials once again. We were, I thought we were doing well with that. But here's a little piece of foreshadowing. 
along with a couple of other athletes last summer, I was working on the skeleton of a piece discussing how we can improve official accountability. And I'm going to save those details because that piece is alive and well and is is going to be in production fairly soon. But I'll just hit you with this. If the athletes have to be accountable for their performance, so do officials. So here's a hint. When a wrestler steps on the mat, they wear a singlet. What's on the back of their singlet? And that's where we'll leave it. On that note, social media concerns. Okay, Austin Morrow. You can follow Austin Morrow on Instagram at PapaSmurf77KG. Yes, I, I don't ask me any questions. I don't even know. And you can follow Austin on Twitter at AustinMorrow14. Gary Mayab. You can follow Gary Mayab on Twitter at Gary Mayab. M-A-Y-A-B-B. And it's the name of this account is Gary Mayab, quote-unquote, official. And, you know, I know Gary really well, and I don't even know if that's really him. I don't think it is, but it might be. I have no idea. But either way, that's Gary Mayab's Twitter, at Gary Mayab. Dennis Hall, if you want to waste your time and everybody else's. Time you'll never get back, by the way. You can follow my Twitter at Dennis Hall, WGW. And on Facebook on the page Truth of Wrestling. And for USA Greco-Roman news and athlete perspectives, please go to 5pointmove.com. And as always, follow along on Twitter at 5, the number 5, PT Move. That's it for episode 48, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.